Tonight, what I'd like to just encourage you on is walking out discouragement. That's the title of the message, walking out discouragement. It is inevitable if you are a human being, which we are, you will encounter discouragement. Whether uh, you're right in the thick of it right now, whether you're walking it out, discouragement happens to the strongest and the best of people. Discouragement is no respecter of persons. The enemy would want to bring condemnation upon us. Oh, well, you believe in God and you love God, so you shouldn't be dealing with this. You shouldn't, you've been dealing with this for over a year. How dare you do? You must have little faith. You're such a weenie and just beat us up and make us feel even worse whenever we're going through discouragement. Am, are we, am I, am I talking to somebody in here tonight? Okay. Again, discouragement is no respecter of persons. And there are a variety of reasons, a variety of reasons why we face discouragement. A person can face discouragement by feeling ashamed and embarrassed that they are still struggling with the same issue. That they're still struggling with it. You know, you might have had somebody come up to you if you're discouraged and said, that's still going on in your life. That's still happening. And in their own sincerity, you know, uh, it might come across as, shouldn't you be over that by now? You know, whether it's with health, whether it's with emotion, whether it's with the conflict of a relationship. Another way of discouragement, a person who feels they have failed are falling short. And they're just discouraged. And that could be something of the present, or that could be something of the past, as well as something of the future. Man, there's no way that I can do that. I'm just not going to be able to accomplish that task. I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not good enough. By our own words, by our own thinking, we can bring discouragement upon ourselves. If we feel that we are inadequate, if we feel that I'm not going to pursue anything in my life because I'm just going to fail. My family has always had a low standard of success, so therefore I'm going to carry that. And you can live with your mindset or even with your words in a place of discouragement. Or maybe your discouragement is you've received a bad doctor's report. And it seems like just whenever you're about to, to, uh, to, uh, go another distance and, and maintaining quality of health, it's like, oh man, okay, I feel, I feel a little bit better today. And then before you know it, tomorrow, you fall right back down because you, you, you have no energy and the pain's increased again. And you believe God and you love God, but you're like, how much longer? How much more am I going to have to deal with this? Let's listen to what the word says in Isaiah 41, 9 through 10. It says, for I have chosen you. And I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This tells me, if he has chosen me, then I'm his. So therefore, instead of my mind and my mouth, using my own words to bring discouragement upon myself, I need to change my thinking. I need to adjust the words that come off of my mouth is that I am chosen. I am his. So therefore, if I am chosen and I'm his, then therefore I have access to his provisions. I have access to his promises that he is my comforter, that he is my healer, that he is my strong tower. When I feel like nobody else is around me that can, that can help me, I can run to him. He is steady. He is a rock. It says, do not be afraid. And there's something about discouragement. It could just weigh so heavy on you. It can zap your physical energy, your emotional energy, and you'll just get to a point you say, I'm done. You can be the most confident person. I was in a meeting the other day. And I, okay, I'm going to tell myself. I was in a meeting the other day. I was really discouraged. I went into my meeting with an agenda, as I normally do. If I don't have three-point agenda, I have a four-point agenda. You know, I'm task-oriented person. Let's go. Let's get things done. So forth. And the person that I was meeting with asked one question. 
And boy, it just hit the button on discouragement. And I could not emotionally or mentally finish the meeting because I was so discouraged. The enemy wants to get us discouraged so that we will miss out on the very next thing that God has for us. And we will say, I'm done. I'm done. I quit. Can't do it anymore. God does not want us to lose sight of who he is who we are in him. Because that will give us the strength to stand up. Even the circumstances won't change, but that will give us the strength to continue to endure. And not endure with a fakeness. Hi, how are you? And you're just wrecked on the inside. But you can endure with authenticity. Because you know, listen, hey, the situation is still the same, but I know my God cannot fail me. Because I am his. And he will not throw me away if I'm discouraged or encouraged. If I'm doubting, if I'm fearful, if I'm full of faith. He will not throw me away because if I am his, he values who I am and not what I do. Because my value is not determined. Hi, how are you? Things are great. Great to see you. Are you having a good day? Ugh. If anything, God is like, what are you doing? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I see what you're dealing with. I see what's going on. You, you, you can't hide your heart from me. Because Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. And I love this. Such promises. I will strengthen you. I will. This is God promising. I will help you. I will uphold you. With my victorious word. So if you're turning your Bible, our text for this evening is going to be 1 Kings 18, 17 through 19. 1 Kings 18, 17 through 19. And we're going to, to look at some encounters that the prophet uh, Elijah had with the people, with the leaders in the community, uh, and what he endured and his mindset and, and what he faced and lessons that we can, can learn and take away from, from that. Okay, so I'm going to set up First Kings uh, 18, 17 through 19. You can just write it down if you're taking notes. But um, the Lord had instructed uh, Elijah to say, "Hey, I want you to, uh, I want you to go to Ahab, and uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to demonstrate my power. I want to remind my children. I'm going to because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I want them to know. Listen, they're." Uh, uh, they're being uh, gripped and weighed down with idolatry. They're not speaking the truth. They're not serving the truth. And so uh, Elijah, everything that God had instructed to Elijah to do of what we're going to read about, God had told him. Elijah didn't say, you know what? Let's see what I can do. Yeah, I'll go and do this. No, Elijah had instructed God specifically to do a task. Okay. And, um, and what he was supposed to do is... Um, you had 450 um, uh, prophets of Baal, a false god. And then you had 400 prophets of Asherah who were supported by Jezebel. And uh, and what Elijah told him, he says, listen, all you false prophets, what I want you to do is I want you to, to get a bull. And, uh, and we're going to build an altar, get a bull, and you're going to sacrifice it. And um, And we're going to see whose god is real. We're going to see whose God is real. Okay, now verse 23. Now bring two bulls. The, the prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of, of their altar, but without setting it to fire. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by setting fire to the wood, uh, is the true God, and all the people agreed. So this was the task at hand. Listen, guys, I'm going to let you go first because there's a lot of y'all. You got 450 uh, prophets, and, I, and, and I'm going to give y'all an opportunity to do all of, your, all of your yelling, all of your screaming, all of your dancing, whatever your rituals are, if your God is real, to call down fire to consume this, um, 
to consume this sacrifice. And so it began in First uh, Kings 18, 25 through 38. You hear that um, uh, they began to call on um, uh, their false gods. And uh, let's read, let's pick up in um, verses 26. So they prepared one bull and placed it on the altar. Then they called the name of Baal all morning, shouting, O Baal, answer us, for there was no reply of any kind. They danced wildly around the altar that they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. I love this. This is hilarious. Uh, you should uh, maybe want to shout a little bit louder. You know, he's, he's trying to encourage them, okay? For surely... Uh, he, it, it, surely if he is a God, perhaps maybe he's in deep thought. Uh, maybe he is relieving himself. In other words, maybe he's to the bathroom. You know, that's why he's not bringing fire. You notice that there is one, there's one Elijah. He's facing the town. He's facing the 450 false prophets. And there's one Elijah. And he's very calm, even comical. You would say in this part, you would say he has confidence, not discouraged. Okay, and then we continue. Or maybe he's away on a trip. Or maybe he's even sleeping. Maybe he needs to be uh, woken up. So they shouted louder. And following their customs, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still there was no reply. No voice. No answer. Then Elijah called the... To the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord and that had been torn down. He took 12 stones. Now it's his turn. Okay. Um, he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the Lord's altar. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on top of the altar cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and put the water over the offering and the wood. And they had done this. He said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even overflowed the trench. At the customary time, for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that is, all that is at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to your Sell. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, dust licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now picture this for a moment. That was a supernatural thing. And scripture says, as, as Elijah is in communication with the God, he says, Lord, as your servant, but I'm in your will as your servant. So we know God told him to be there. God gave him the specific instructions what to do, as wild and as crazy they might seem. Okay. And God was faithful to supernaturally, just imagine it, bring, he's the only one. To bring down fire from heaven and consume the offering. Soak it all up. And then the very purpose that he had been to, to draw the people's hearts back to God, he saw it happen. He saw it happen. But then the Bible says that as the as that great work had been done, I like this. Elijah took all those 450 prophets basically down the river and he killed them. Well, when Jezebel find, found out what Elijah had done, she was a very wicked woman. Even though they had, even though Ahab and Jezebel, they, they knew, uh, that the fire had come down from heaven. They knew that God was true, but their hearts were still wicked. 
And it was exhausting to Elijah. It's like, come on, God. The people got it. These leaders don't get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting tired. And so, but what, what Elijah responded is that he became fearful because there was an assignment to go and to kill Elijah. And so the Bible says that he ran. And, um, and so we're just going to pause there for a moment. And, um, and as he ran, well, no, I'll continue. As he ran, um, he came to a place under a tree and he just came to the point. And let's go ahead and let's read that. That is in, um, first Kings 19, uh, verses three. Elijah was afraid and fed for his life. This is after he had found out that uh, Jezebel had wanted to kill him. Uh, he went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the desert, traveling all day. He sat down under, uh, some of your Bibles might say a juniper tree, uh, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. I've had enough, Lord, take my life. Just a moment, he saw God's, God's incredible supernatural power fall down, fire fall down from heaven and consume, consume the altar. And now he's to the point of, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. Man, we can be doing good things for God. But we, there is a time for us to rest. There is a time for us to refresh. Because if we don't, we will come to the point. Even knowing God and loving God and being used by God and doing great things for him, we will say, Lord, I'm done. Call somebody else. Send somebody else. I'm just tired. So what I'd like for us to do tonight is I would like for us to look at three ways to break discouragement from getting the best. Break discouragement from getting the best of you. Because God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. God is still speaking. God is still moving on your behalf. And the enemy will try to bring discouragement to simply say, I'm done. So three ways to break discouragement from getting the best of you. One, walk in the truth. So, Dixie, what do you mean by that? We have to be real and honest and allowing God's word to examine you. This will bring authenticity in your life. When you allow God's word to not only just be a phrase in a picture frame on the wall, but you allow God's word to grip you. You allow God's word to feed you. You allow God's word to establish you. You allow God's word to hold you. Because these people that Elijah had had uh had um had been in the town witnessing before the fire came down from heaven they were worshiping false gods they were lost they were allowing culture they were allowing the influence of others to dictate to them their value and what the truth is and God wants us to hold to that truth. This is Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this is why God wants us to walk in the truth. He wants us to be real and honest because when that happens, then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing his perfect will is. Many times we can live in a state of discouragement because we have war going on in our minds of realities or not realities. I heard, I saw a statement. It's like, oh man, this was good. And the statement was, tell your mind to be silent. Tell your mind to be silent. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. When we trust him and our thoughts, sometimes we got to grab a hold of those thoughts. We got to capture them because our thoughts can bring us on a roller coaster down highway, highway 10, 90, not to nothing. And we'll leave in a state of, I just don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm not sure because we've got to grab a hold of our thoughts and we got to take that thought and we got to line it up with the word of God. 
What does God's word says for, say for me? God's word says it, that I am, that he is my provider. God's word says for me that he will never leave me or forsake me. So when I need counsel in this conflict, when I need understanding, I can have the peace and the confidence and the truth of the word of God that he will give it to me because he is still speaking. See, if you'll notice when they spent much time calling, the prophets of Baal were calling on their false god. What does it say? They were listening, they were trying to listen if he was going to speak. See, God is real and he has a voice and he is a relational God. And we don't have to holler, spit, shout, kick run around in circles because we don't serve a false God. We serve a real God and he will answer us in our time of need. And we don't have to sweat and labor and try to produce and make something happen for our lives. He said, if you just sit here, be still, wait on, talk with me. I will answer you. I will answer you. See, when we walk in the truth, we can have that assurance and that confidence, that inner peace that this is what God's word says. I know he'll never leave me. I know he'll never forsake me. And it can bring a peace within us, even when our circumstances are not changed. Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds are those lies that maybe at first you didn't believe, but the more that you begin to think on, the more that you begin to process them in your mind, it's like, well, is that, am, am, am I on my own? Because how could I be going through this? If God is real, how could I be walking through this? If he loves me, why would I be subject to this? Why would I be doing this? And before you know it, that lie that the enemy will bring, it'll become, it'll become a stronghold. It'll become like a crown on your mind and it'll grip you. It'll grip you uh, with torment. It'll grip you uh, with no peace. And this is what the word says. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In other words, when that thought is thrown at your way, here's a lie. It looks cunning, but here's a lie. In order for God to love you, you've got to do your very, very best. It's a lie from the pit of hell. If you did nothing but just sit here, God would still love you unconditionally because it's who he is. Regardless of what we do, regardless of what we think, regardless of, of our actions, it is not going to detour and change God away from who he is. He is still unconditional and always loving. He is still faithful. He is still our Savior. He is still there for us, regardless of what we do or not. So that that way, when we hear his truth, it'll be a comfort to us because God's not in the business of being wishy-washy and changing his mind. Because you're not going to believe and hold dear to something if you know that they're just going to be fickle and fake. But his truth is real and is authentic in our lives. Okay? So three ways to break discouragement for getting the best of you. Walk in truth. Tell your mind to be silent. Tell your emotions to be still. Tell your emotions to be still. First Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Another version of that, it says, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. In that moment of that frustration, in that moment of, of that disappointment, we see in Martha and Mary when she, when, when uh, Martha was stressed and she was worried as uh, she was doing the work for Jesus, as she was serving, she got, she got a tilted perspective. She lost sight of the truth and she literally asked God, God, don't you care? See, when we're not, when, when our minds are not still, when we're not telling our, hey, I want you to be still. I'm not going to act and respond based upon I feel in this moment. But that, Lord, I ask that you give me the grace to understand, Lord, give me the grace to do what you would want me to do. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. Remember what was the good that God has done in your life. What good has God done? What has he shown you? What has he done for you? That you know that you know, hey, I can still endure because I know he's faithful. I was thinking about this as I'm standing here uh, to, uh, today uh, in front of you. Um, I have strength. I have energy. Uh, my body is whole. But in 2009, I began to have such a severe pain in my body to where I couldn't, um, uh, I couldn't stand up straight. And the pain got so bad to where I had to bend over like this. And, and, um, I noticed that there was a, uh, um, that there was a knot in my abdomen. And, um, and so I just kind of passed it off. I said, well, maybe that's fat, you know, just kind of pass it off. But my body began to, to lose more energy, began to have an increasing higher level of pain to the point to where uh, I had to go to the doctor. And so what I'm thinking is, you know what, Dixie, baby, you just need to rest. And so I'm as, uh, getting the doctor and we're getting some reports with some imaging. The doctor says, I'll never forget it. He says, Dixie, you have a tumor in your abdomen. And I said, well, what? Just the news was such a shock. Because you have a tumor in your abdomen. And we're going to have to do some serious surgery. I says, well, what does that look like? And my, my, my emotions could not begin to process everything that he was telling me. And the enemy just was wanting to bombard me with fear and discouragement. Because this just wasn't like something of a flu that you get over with. There was going to have to be some major changes in my life. And so as I'm walking and going to the car, I'm just in a place of numbness. I'm just in a place of shock. And, um, and my, my Mima, who, who has gone to be with the Lord, she called me and she said, come on, Dixie, let's speak the truth. Come on, let's, let, and, and she began to remind me of all these scriptures of healing. And I said, Mima, I just, I, I know the truth. And Mima, she's a firecracker. She was as big as a minute, but she was a loaded dynamite when it comes to prayer and the word of God. And I said, Mima, I don't have the energy. My body is completely drained of energy. I'm just trying my best just to, um, to just breathe. And she said, don't, no problem. She says, I'm going to pray scripture over you. I'm going to speak the truth over you. And when I did not have the strength, she began to speak. She began to feel my spirit. She began to feel my mind with the truth of the word of God. And I just received it and I held it. And as I went through the protocols of the treatment, I am standing here today. Not only is that tumor completely gone without any surgery needed, but I'm standing strong because the truth of the word of God is just as real today as it was then. And it will be just as real for you too. So listen, if you have received a negative doctor's report, if you are experiencing in your physical body or you're seeing a loved one face some endurance, I am telling you, Jesus is the healer today. And that is the truth of the word of God. Rest that on your mind. When your emotions begin to want to just lose it, say, Lord, I speak peace and order over my very soul. And he will give you the strength and the grace, whether he heals you here or whether he heals you in eternity. He is still the healer. And that is the truth. We can be encouraged by that. Amen. All right. Um, so one, three ways to break discouragement from getting the best of you is walking in the truth. Number two, walk in your purpose with grace. Walk in your purpose with grace. When you get tempted and want to give up because you are exhausted and you need, if you are, are doing something, you are absolutely exhausted. My friends, this is going to be a really spiritual, um, Point here, but this is what I want you to do. I'm joking about being really spiritual. But if you're to the point of exhaustion, then take a break. Pause. Stop doing and simply rest and refresh. When Elijah was going and going, he was underneath the tree. Then he was in a cave. Listen to what the word says in 1 Kings 
19.9. But the Lord said, what are you doing here? God had communicated to Elijah, go to Ahab, do the work. Let the people know the truth that I'm the one and only true God. But he was exhausted. His purpose was to be a, the, a prophet of the nation, but he was exhausted from going. He was so exhausted that he's like, well, let me just get away. Let me just get away. And, and finally, he was at one of the lowest places where he's like, God, just take my life. And God says, what, what are you doing here? I didn't tell you to come over here. The Lord sent an angel. What did the angel do? Did the angel give him a special word? No. The angel gave him food. God is the bread of life. And sometimes we can be so busy doing and doing that purpose of being a father, that purpose of being a mother, that purpose of whatever, that position that God has called and created you to do, that we go and we go and we go and we're 90 to nothing and it's a good work and we got to go and we got to do and we got to go. And God said, mm, pause. I've, yes, I've called you to be a prophet, Elijah, but it is out of balance. You are not in my will, exhausting yourself. I want you to rest. I want you to be still. I want you come, I want you to come to me. Hebrews 4:16. So let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. See, we can be busy doing a lot of good. But when we're so busy doing good, that we're not pausing and say, okay, Lord, I did the good that you wanted me to yesterday. Yes, Elijah, I wanted you to confront Ahab. I wanted you to, to show my, the people that I'm the one and only true God. Yes, you did that. But I didn't tell you to run off over here in a cave. I didn't tell you to go off over here. When we are exhausted, we will continue to go and we will find a way, our own way in our mind to not lose our mind. Isolation is not the solution. Adding more things onto your plate is not the solution. But God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? We need to ex allow, we need to examine, as Pastor Brandon just said uh, in the, this two-part series, examine, Lord, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing in my schedule? If I'm going 90 to nothing, God who loves you and values you. Here's, I want you to just process this. It's very simple. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants me to enjoy life. Because how on earth is the world supposed to see a joy and peace and fulfillment of life if I'm exhausted and miserable? Because I'm going 90 to nothing. Oh, is that what being a child of God looks like? Yes, we're doing it for the Lord. I'm about to fall over. Yes, we're doing it for Jesus. I got to stay home because I'm just been going on into nothing. The Lord said, no, I have nothing to do with that. He will give us the grace and he will give us the strength to do things. But we need to make sure that it's not our pride that is pushing agenda that we're not getting off balance with I got to go and I got to go and I got to do because we can create a habit of that in our life and we can even allow culture to dictate to us, well, this is, this is how you do it. Well, according to the word of God, in Psalm 42.10, it says, Be still and know that I'm God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. See, God got Elijah's attention. He says, come on, I want you to come out and stand before me on the mountain. He told him, Elijah, stand here. And he passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Sometimes in our busyness, Lord, do great and mighty things for me. And we're just going and we're going and I need nothing. God says, hey, I, I need you to be still. And I need you to rest. I need you to allow me to refresh you. I want you to, to know that I'm placing you here and not you yourself by your gifts. Who you think gave you those gifts? You didn't call yourself to do that great work. I called you to do that great work. Are you operating in Zechariah 4, 6? Are you operating uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit? Are you simply operating by willpower? Are you burning 90 to nothing? We need to ask God, Lord, am I where you would have for me to be? Because, Lord, I don't want to be to a place that, that you're saying, what are you doing here? Because I won't have peace and I won't have rest and I won't have the grace that I need to fulfill the purpose that you have called in my life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, Jesus said, Come to me, all you are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. When you go and go and do and do, your life can be unbalanced. When we begin to walk in God's purpose, it will always be bigger and beyond what we can handle. Excuse me. What we can handle is not. Hold on. Let me say that again. When we begin to walk in God's purpose, it will always be bigger and beyond what we can handle, but not for what God can handle. We serve a big God. And I love in Luke eighteen twenty seven. it says, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Possible with God. Galatians 6, 9, it says, so don't get tired of well-doing. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we all, we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time. You and I, the ways that we break discouragement is walking in the truth and walk in your purpose with grace. Grace in, take a breather, take a rest. Ask God, just as you go to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? Lord, what do you want me to do today in my schedule? Lord, what do you want me to do in my family time? Lord, I ask that you show me, am I, am I taking part in curricular activities? Am I taking part in things that, Lord, you really don't want me to do? Because sometimes our, our restlessness and our busyness is things that we might have unconsciously brought upon ourselves. Does that make any sense? Okay. Elijah was discouraged and exhausted and told himself that his entire ministry was a waste. You have to get alone with the Lord and you have to rest and be still and allow him to encourage you so that you and I don't get to a place that, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough. Y'all still with me? Y'all still alive? Okay. All right. So two, walk in the truth. Excuse me. One, walk in the truth. Two, walk in the purpose with grace. And three, in closing, walk in community. Walk in community. The community that you are in will influence you the way you are thinking and the direction of your life. Whenever he, whenever Elijah was talking to the, the people, and you had the 450 prophets there. You had the city, you had the people there. You had the city there. And all of these people, it had to take fire down from God for them to realize, wow, wait, this is the one and only true God. Because they were surrounded in a community of idolatry. They were surrounded in a community that did not know the truth. And so therefore they allowed that heaviness to weigh them down. Be intentional not to allow the busyness of life and the culture to dictate to you 
what you are going to do with your time. Don't let embarrassment or discourage you keep you away from believers. This is why. You ready for the why? Because you need their strength. You need their testimony. There are some of you that are walking through some discouragement right now that maybe somebody else has already walked out of that. And maybe there are some of you that are walking into something, whether it's with a health, whether it's with conflicts, whether it's with a parental situation. You're like, how on earth am I going to do that? I promise you there is someone in this room that can encourage you because God has shown himself faithful to them. And they'll say, listen, this is what God did. He did it in me and he can do it in you. And you begin to exchange the truth. You began to exchange life. And you begin to build your purpose of what God has called and created you to do. What is the purpose of the church? To be the hope and the light to the world. And when you get in community, you will experience that exchange. So if you are being discouraged, my friends, get into a community where there is an exchange of life. There's an exchange of truth. There's an exchange of hope. Well, there's an exchange of encouragement. Because you can be so discouraged, like I was, not feeling good. For I could not encourage myself. I had to have somebody come alongside of me and speak the truth. And she spoke it through the phone. And it was still a blessing. You need to hear the community of believers in Jesus Christ. You need to hear them say, you will make it. You need to hear them say, you can do it. You need to hear their testimony. Because God is a relational God, as I've always said. And when you hear the testimony of somebody else, well, Lord, your word says you're the day yesterday. You're the same God yesterday, day, and forever. And if you did it for them yesterday, Lord, you can do it for me today. It builds our faith and it squishes that doubt and discouragement. In closing Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as this is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithful as you see as the day approaches. What the scripture is saying here is, listen, guys, you have to come together. This is how I've created. This is what I've created the family. This is what I've created you to do. You're going to go through discouraging times. Yes, I have my word and my truth. For when nobody is around you, I will speak my word into your spirit. I will encourage you. You're going to come to a place wherever God begins to speak to you what he has called and his purpose is for your life. You'll get excited and you'll just want to charge. But you have to walk through grace and rest and not go 90 to nothing. But you won't endure and finish your race. You'll be too exhausted. And the very ones that God's called you to serve, you will be bitter at them and have a critical attitude. We see it in the life of Elijah. Look what he look how he speaks. Look how he speaks to the people. And it says, And the angel touched and told him, Get up and eat. And he looked around and saw some bread and baked in hot, some hot stones and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down. But if you read, if you drop down, it says, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I am, I am, I alone am left. Now they are trying to kill me too. That's a man who is discouraged. Yes, those are things that are happening in reality. Lord, look what these people have done. But before he even went to them, they were in that place. See, when you and I are discouraged, we will have a perspective. When you and I are encouraged, we will have a right perspective on the people and the places and the purpose that God has for our lives. 
if we, if we live in a state of discouragement, I'm telling you, if the moment you become critical, if the moment your perspective, everything is negative, then you are living not only in a place of discouragement, but there is a stronghold that is attached to your thinking on who God is and who you are. And ask the Lord, Father, I need you to speak to me so that I will enjoy this life that you have given me. And I will enjoy the purpose that you have given me. And I will enjoy the people that you are surrounding me and not push them away and be critical of them. But Father, may I embrace the community of believers. When we become discouraged, we begin to attack the very thing that God has put in place for his purpose and to encourage us. And that's the church. Would you stand, please? So here's two action steps. Men, if you need to be encouraged, come this Friday to a wild game. There will be a community of just men. It's awesome. Of just men to laugh, to encourage you. You will hear the truth. I encourage you, mothers, aunts, uncles, whatever, invite somebody that you know. You know what? They need some community. They need some encouragement. Bring them to men's wild game. Bring them. Sometimes we can get a place of just being stuck. But if we can get in a community of people that love us and people that care for us, it can get us unstuck. If you say, Dixie, I want to walk in community. You have that opportunity. We are kicking off our life groups. There's parenting groups. There's marriage groups. There's coffee groups. There's food groups. There's all type of groups of community. But my friends, it's, it's, it's your choice. If you walk in, if you're walking in discouragement, if you're walking in frustration, if you as a believer are feeling alone, then there's a sign you need community. You need community. And God said, here, I love you. Here, I care for you. There are men and women that are going to be having groups. You can go in the lobby, you can go online, and you can see the groups. I urge you, walk in community. Walk in community. Because when we get to the point where we are so discouraged, and we're like, I'm done. I've had enough. Let me tell you what community does. You ready? Pastor Brennan and Miss Cassie, can you come see? This is what community does. When you're weak, when you're exhausted, when you're frustrated, what community does is it comes alongside of you, one on one side and one on the other. And when it says, I don't, hey. <laughs> And it says, I don't have time. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. Then the community around us will begin to speak into our lives, will begin to encourage us. When we're mad as a hornet, guess what? The community will say, what's happening here? What's going on? Because they love us. Authenticity can be birthed within us if we are surrounded in a community of love. Authenticity can be birthed in us when we are surrounded, where we discover our purpose and next steps. Guys, it's available to you. The importance of community is not just some title in a sermon, but it's in the word of God when he says, I have given my church a place where you need to be encouraged. It is a place of community. That's our charge for you. Because he loves you and we value your life. Amen? Amen. Come on, lock arms with someone. Yeah, you could do it right now. Yeah, lock arms with someone. You are stronger together. It is inevitable you will face discouragement. If you're facing it right now, you will face it. And God is saying, 
I have established my church to come alongside of you to encourage you. I have given you my Holy Spirit to speak to you and to tell you when you need to be still and rest and when you need to come to me and not go 90 to nothing. I've given you my grace to do what I want you to do. He loves us and he values us. Come on, let's go talk to him. Let's go talk to him. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the truth in your word. And Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that if there's anybody in here, Lord, and they are facing discouragement, they are they are to the point to where, Lord, I'm done. I've had enough. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you just bring rest to their very minds and rest to their very souls. Holy Spirit, I ask them by your spirit that, Father, you would just refresh them right now. That, Lord God, that something would stir within sight of them to go and be in community. That fear would not have a grip on them, but that, Lord God, give them hope that you have something better and greater in store for them. That, Lord, we do not have to be strong and know everything. But by your grace, we can trust you. And you will be there to walk with us, to hold us. Father, I ask that you, that there be order in our lives. Order in our lives. Father God, may we serve you with joy. Lord, may joy rest upon us right now. Lord, may peace rest upon us right now. That, Father God, all fear, all doubt, all shame has no place in the heart of your children. Lord God, may your grace rest upon us as we walk in your truth, as we walk in your purpose. And as we walk in community, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Guys, he loves you and he values you. I encourage you, that's your action step, walk in community. Get in a life group. Men, join us for a wild game. You will be blessed. If you need anything, we're up here for you for prayer. Good evening, God bless.